Hello, this is Tiana. It is Tuesday, March 16th, and I apologize. I have been inconsistent in my recordings, and um, they're not an excuse. There is a reason. It's, there's been a lot of um, identifying what we want to actually present here on our living and loving all life podcast. So, I'm going to be focusing on, well, I think we've been doing that to some extent, but really focusing on how we can step up in our communities and actually put our words into action, supporting life on this planet, supporting kindness and love in our families, our communities, our planet. And I have a very extensive library of books, many of which I haven't read yet. (laughs) I may have bought them for a particular quote or read about it, heard about it. Oh, that sounds wonderful. And I get it and it goes on my shelf. And I do it often enough that it's more than the actual reading that I'm doing. And I don't know if if you're the same way, but I'll go through spurts where I will read a book a week, a book every five days, and I'll do that for a month. And then I start going into a creative mode, whether it's painting or sewing or knitting or uh, designing uh, a room, a house, and clothing, whatever it is, creative. And I'll do that for several months. And so, hence, when I'm buying three or four books at a time, they accumulate. Let's just say they accumulate. So, um, I have a big library. And as I read them, if I don't need them to refer to, I pass them on. I believe in recycling everything. And so I have really enjoyed the free table. That first started um, at this nonprofit that I was working at. They had a free table for the members and it was such a joy to me to have some place to go and know that there was a direct correlation between what I left that somebody else was going to use it. And, um, and then because of COVID, that stopped. But now there's one here in the community where I'm in. And um, I like that there's a place where I can share what I've enjoyed and pass it on. Okay. So in my collection, there are many books on the topic of the correlation between our human existence and the rest of the creation on this earth, animals um, of all kinds, animals of, um, you know, on land, in the water, in the air, the insects, the microcosm, and Some of them are written 
in the context of spiritual connection, religious beliefs, as written in various religious books. There are people who have been spiritual leaders, like Gandhi, who practiced veganism out of respect for other life on this planet. And my good friend Albert Schweitzer, who I have enjoyed getting to know through all of his writings and was just a kind and wonderful man. And that's what I came to realize is Jane Goodall, Albert Schweitzer, Eugene March, Mary Lou Randor, all of these people are very kind souls who have understood and embraced and lived by the belief and understanding that we are all of the same creation and we are here to live together in harmony and respect our very existence. And, you know, it's just typical humanity that we wait until it gets to a critical crisis point before we get into action. And that's so sad. Wouldn't it be lovely if man, if humanity, wake up after having all this time during this pandemic to do nothing but maybe read at home if you're not going to the movies like you were and going out to dinner like you were you had more time to read more time to go on YouTube more time to go on Google and immerse yourself in all types of information and to understand how critical now it's being recognized in America as it's been in Europe and other parts of the world, the correlation between man and nature. So what can we do? What can we do? One thing we can do is to adopt a more vegan diet, vegetarian diet. The basic, the basic moral of what I'm going to be recommending here is that we don't support industries that are abusive in their handling of animals, industries that are abusive in their handling of the planet that are causing more harm than good. By using our very loud dollars, okay, money talks. And we always take that statement to mean that people can influence others with money, that money can buy a boat, money can buy a, a table in a crowded restaurant, that people can, be, can buy what they want. But money talks, meaning that as consumers, we have power. What we choose to support with our dollars is what is going to be heard. So I will never forget in the 1960s, late 60s or 70s, the price of beef soared and housewives were curious. They were having a hard time meeting their families' meals 
as they normally would because red meat was a big ticket item at the time. And so you know what they did? They decided to picket beef. They decided they weren't buying any beef. Until the prices came down, they were not going to buy any beef. And let me tell you, the beef industry was not happy. They got the message loud and clear and the prices came down. That taught me at a very young age what power money has. And that as long as enough people are willing to stand up. Now you have to remember that that occurred in an age when there was no social media. It was word of mouth. One woman in Pennsylvania had a sister in Maryland. She told her who had a cousin in Wyoming told her it was a word of mouth that went across the nation and housewives picketed beef industry. So we can do this. We can get our country, our environment, ourselves back on track. It's not hard. It just takes putting your actions, your, your beliefs and your hopes and what you would like for you, for your family, for yourself, your community into action so that's one thing we can do we can choose to not support with watching a program on TV going to a movie where um, perhaps this topic the subject or an actor has done something that um, was morally reprehensible, like when um, the um, sports figure who abused his dogs was caught abusing his dogs. You don't go and you, su you don't support him, even though it means the whole team suffers, which you're sending a message to the team manager, to the um, owner of that team. You're not going to support that behavior. You're not willing to give your money to pay for the salary of somebody who's going to be abusive. And it doesn't need to be done violently or loudly or with violence at all. It is only to be done very quietly and it's very empowering. Just, I'm not giving you my money if that's how you are as a person. If your practices in using animals for research, no. There is no reason, and they can say their reasons, but there is no reason why we need to still be using animals in research. There is none. There is none. Um, you know, that would be like saying, let's take all the prisoners on death row and use them for research. Okay? They, what else? Why not? They've committed heinous crimes. We don't want to see them back out in public. If they are incurable, like child molesters, 
someone like Charles Manson, you're not going to release them back into society. So rather than spend our tax dollars keeping them in jail, let's use them for medical research. Why not? If you believe that what you're doing to those animals is not wrong, then there should be no problem using these heinous criminals. There is no justification for harming an innocent creature. There is no justifiable reason for harming anyone. We can support the companies that do not use animals in testing. We can choose what college we go to, send our children to, by the fact that they do not use animals in any research being done on that campus. We need to begin to know for a fact that all life matters and that it is only going to be until we show compassion for all living things that man himself will know peace that man himself will know the end of discrimination. And that was a paraphrase to Albert Schweitzer's quote. To quote the infamous Native American to Seattle, although I have to do my research, I think that um, there is some mention that this is not his quote, but another Native American that what we do to the least of us, we do to ourselves. And isn't that what science is telling us? That we can't be harming the ocean and the animals. It's going to come back to us. We can't continue to destroy forests. It'll come back to us. We are hurting ourselves. Once we get to a place where it's more than being about whether we suffer. When we get to a place where the compassion is for what it's doing to all the other living beings that it's affecting, that's when we can say we are no longer a discriminative society. We no longer discriminate because Discriminating black and white, discriminating red and white, discriminating gay, um, whatever sexual preference a person has to heterosexual. Those are all highlighted forms of what we've been doing throughout our history when we have discriminated against other forms of life. The same thought, that thought process, that the cavalry, or um, not cavalry, thought it was okay to destroy the Native Americans, to take them off their lands, to take them away from families, take children away from their families. What they did to them, now everybody's 
finding the blame we're doing to others, but it started it was that same mindset that said they are less than. Any time we see anything as less than, we use that as an excuse to abuse, destroy, take advantage of. It has never been okay, and it never will be. So please take a strong look at those thoughts in your head. <laughs> I was going for a walk the other day, and there was a mom with her son. Son wouldn't look like he was maybe seven, maybe five. And every once in a while, she'd stop and bend down. He'd point, and she'd stop and bend down. And as we passed, she explained that. He was saving the worms that had gotten caught on the pavement that were going to be drying up, and having his mom pick them up and put them on the grass. And I thought, well, God bless his soul. And this wonderful mother, who was respective of her son's compassion. So, if that's not something you would do, now, I don't like the feel of worms. But I have taken a stick. I have taken a piece of uh, paper, newspaper in my hand, and done that. Taken the worm onto the stick, onto the paper, and put them on the grass. But it's just compassion. Or even if you just simply, conscientiously, look where you're walking and don't step on them. It's the little things that make the big difference, and so I'm going to encourage you to have conversations with your family. And as I said, there are so many wonderful books on the topic. God's Land on Loan by W. Eugene March, Animal Grace by Mary Lou Randor. At least five different books on the animal world by Albert Schweitzer and by Jane Goodall. Jane has put out at least five books that I know of. The one I have in my hand here is Harvest for Hope, and she is on YouTube right now. I was watching her last night, and it it was just wonderful to see her and hear from her and see the impact she's made and what she has done. It is truly a commitment and a life commitment for. These wondrous beings that have given her so much to save the chimpanzees in their habitat. Please stop going to zoos, Sea World. Please stop, stop. That's not entertainment. That is at the cost of a life. Would you want your child in a cage? Would you want your child being looked at every day and having things thrown at it, or fingers being poked over? It's no different. It's no different. It's no different. I thank you for listening, and I am looking forward. 
seeing acts of kindness and compassion being shown. Ever since the idea of random acts of kindness has come into place, a lot more people are embracing it. And there are some wonderful stories of acts of kindness that are being done. Making somebody's day a blessing instead of hardship. We never know what our acts of kindness will do, but we do know that they will be done for good, not in vain. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Please pass on the information about our podcast. And um, I love you. Stay well. Have a wonderful week. Talk to you again. Thank you.